On the show today, we have a lot of good news to discuss, though not all good. We have transgender surgery bans, a survey that reveals more people are open to God, and light may be coming back to the American church through an unlikely source. And we also need to discuss Bethel Church. Oh, brother. (laughs) And sadly, we do need to discuss the tragedy that happened to Tyree Nichols. So we have a lot to discuss today. Let's get to it. This is Religionless Christianity. Welcome in, and uh, thank you so much for being here with us. I am your host, Spencer. This is my lovely wife, Nikki. Hello. And don't let the name fool you. We say it every week, but if you're new here, uh, we are not religionless. Very religious people, uh, very proud and happy Christians, but the world and this country increasingly seems to be less and less religious, Uh, far more secular And that's a bit of where the name comes from. Um, How do we, kind of the idea being, how do we live a life that's pleasing to God in a religionless world? Uh, That's what we're going to try to do today as we look at the news and uh, get into our Bible topic at the end of the episode, just like we do every week. So before we dive into all of the news and the Bible topics, honey, is there anything you'd like to bring up, prayer requests, anything of that sort? Um. Me and Spencer are getting baptized Sunday, and it's my birthday. <laughs> yeah, that's true. So we were baptized both as children. Um, well, I got baptized as, like after we got married. I was still a child, I guess. Oh, <laughs> uh, okay. Yeah, well, I was, you know, in my teens and, you know, not to mention that our beliefs have changed. You know, we kind of fall into the more, uh, what is it, credo-baptist line of kind of adult baptism. But even aside from that, you know, I don't really remember much about my baptism. And then looking back on my life, I'm like, I don't know how I'm really sold out. You know, I was raised in a Christian home, always considered myself a Christian, but the lifestyle, there was no good fruit there by and large. So we just wanted to kind of start a clean slate, right? If you will. And um, I just have a more clear view of what the gospel is. So that's why I want to get baptized again. Yeah. And, you know, we certainly don't think it's a salvation issue. Um, this is just a, uh, make a bold statement for the Lord, right? We, I mean, we are commanded to be baptized. That is part of the Christian faith, but it's not a salvation issue. And, uh, so it's just something we want to do. And, uh, we're going to do that this weekend for Nikki's birthday and it should be a good time. Also, please continue to pray for the young man, Connor, the Mormon missionary. I'm continuing to work on him uh, not work on him, but, uh, speak to him and try to, you know, get him to see, you know, the truth of, uh, who Jesus is and, you know, faith being our means of justification before the Lord and these sorts of Mm -hmm. things. And, uh, you know, gets a little bit of pushback. I sent him a new video that I haven't sent him before. It was kind of a testimony from a Mormon as he came out of Mormonism. So just, Pray that he would receive that. And then also, please continue to pray for William, uh, the gentleman that got out of jail. Uh, He's not walking the road I would have preferred him to walk, but uh, just, you know, pray that God would change his heart, uh, break off the bonds of addiction that have plagued him for so many years, and uh, just keep those two in your prayers. We would certainly appreciate that. 
now let's go ahead and uh, discuss our uh, plugs here before we get into the news of the week. And you guys know that we are proud members of the Christian podcast community, have been for more than a year now, I think, or close to a year. And great place, 60 or so Christian podcasts. And I want to bring up here Andrew Rappaport, his rap report. So we were on, we co-hosted these last three episodes that he's done. One on justification and then two parts on sanctification. So those were pretty good episodes. Andrew's a very smart, godly man. And he was kind enough to let us go on there and co-host with them. It was a good time. So go give those a listen. Subscribe to the Christian Podcast Community. You know, you get 60 good sort of indie podcasters all in one feed. So it makes it really easy. Also, um, I mentioned the uh, Homegrown Generation Conference, and I want to plug that again here. We'll have links in the show notes for that. I believe it's a some multi-day sort of online homeschooling conference. I think it's only $35 to sign up. You get all of the uh, discussions that are going to be taking place by, you know, members from Answers in Genesis and, you know, legitimate Christian organizations, right? Kind of breaking down the benefits of homeschooling, how to homeschool, all this sort of stuff. But the cool thing is, is if you sign up for this year, you get all of the discussions and conferences from the previous Homegrown Generation Conference, which I think was in 2020. So you get a lot, I think it's like 40 to 60 hours worth of content that you get forever. So you don't have Mm -hmm. to sit down and just be locked in front of your screen for four days. You can watch it at your leisure whenever you want to, but a great place to just, if you are homeschooling, you know, give you encouragement. And if you haven't yet made that decision, maybe this can help you make that decision because if you've been here for any amount of time, you know, we are advocates for homeschooling. I think that is the revolution that this country needs. Get your kids out of public school, get them home, train them up in the way they should go. And I think that's how we sort of get this nation back on track. So go follow that link, sign up. I think you'll be blessed. And then the last one here, you guys know how much we like Team Cardinal, Cardinal Contingency Solutions. And I saw this article here from the Gospel Coalition. Let me see if I can pull it up here. And it was titled, Five Ways Pastors Can Prepare Missionaries. And there's certainly good points here. You know, they talk about engaging cultural assessment, but this is just from sort of, hey, you read the Bible, so you're learning about other cultures. You know, teach biblical interpretation, train disciple makers, model healthy ecclesiology, and then conduct missionary assessments. But this is more from the point of view of conduct assessments on your missionaries. And those are all good points, but it doesn't really tackle the issues of, the foreign country that you're going to? How do you understand the land you're going to? How do you understand the political dynamics of the country going to? How do you understand the assets you have available to you should things go sideways in these countries? All very important things, as we've talked about on this show, with missionaries being arrested and countries falling into chaos and collapsing. I mean, there's a lot more involved in just wanting to go share the gospel. I mean, that's a great start. And if that's all you have, that's all you have, and it's good enough. But it doesn't need to be all you have. So reach out to Cardinal. Links will be in the show notes, as always. And 
just see what they have to offer you. See what kind of information they can help, you know, prepare your missionaries with. I think you'll be greatly pleased with what you get from them. So that is all. All right. We're not going to play the scary music this week because as I mentioned, mostly good (laughs) news this week. So we don't need the scary music. Um, And also we're not going to be discussing our assurance of salvation today. So normally that would have been our Bible topic. Uh, This is our 10th and final assurance of salvation. We're going to roll that back into next week because we do have a lot of uh, church issues to discuss on the episode today. So we're just going to make that our Bible topic. Um, Hopefully we'll get to our assurance of salvation next week, kind of finish that out. So as I mentioned, the news isn't bad enough to warrant our normal um, scary music and the trek through the valley of the shadow of death. I feel more like excited about doing the show because of it. (laughs) Yes. Traditionally, when we put these notes together... I'm doing a lot of the work and writing and doing sorts of things, finding links. You know, when we talked about Bethel Church, Nikki's eyes, you know, bugged out of her head and she couldn't put down enough notes. So um, these are the topics that get Nikki going. It was still hard. It's still hard to hear it all. It is. And we don't have all good, good news, right? The bad news we have today is horrifyingly bad news. (laughs) So uh, we do have some of that, but it is going to be surrounded mostly by good news. And I think even the stuff that we discuss on Bethel is good news to us. So that's the way we're looking at it. So do you want to read, honey, as we get into the news here, this first headline? Uh, Utah bans sex change surgeries on kids creates new requirements to prescribe hormone drugs. Yes, that is good news. Good. Do you want to just read this a little bit? Utah's Governor Spencer um, Cox signed a bill Saturday banning doctors from performing sex change surgeries on minors and creating new requirements for doctors to prescribe hormone blockers and cross-sex hormones to children with gender dysphoria. Yes. You know, you can always trust a man named Spencer. (laughs) And uh, if we forgot to mention, if you're new here, my name is Spencer and this is my lovely wife, Nikki. You can (laughs) trust me. So yeah, this is good news. Um, And the really great part about this law, it says in the article, individuals may also bring a malpractice lawsuit against providers for treatment they underwent as a minor if they no longer consent to the sex change. Mm. This is awesome. And we've talked about a bill like this that some members of our Congress, I think, had proposed months ago. And, you know, I think considering that most of these people that are kind of butchers, right, they have little conscience, I guess, if you want to call it that, Um, because if you had a conscience, it would preclude you from carving up children, I think. Um, So since they don't have a conscience that we can... um, you know, appeal to, I think this, hopefully this sort of uncertainty about their finances in the future might preclude them from even wanting to be involved in this practice at all. And I think we should hope so, because consider this, <laughs> you do a, a gender reassignment surgery on a kid that's 16 years old. Mm-hmm. And by the time they're 28, and they realize, 
man, I really made a, made a bad mistake here with this. And why didn't somebody stop me when I was mm-hmm. just a child? This is to protect. Now the they can children. come back and go, Hey man, you were a grown up. I was just a kid. And you let me go through with this. Yeah. Sue their pants off. And so, I'm down with that. Take yeah. everything from them. And I was just going to read some of this. Uh, I don't know if you can find it on there to those who are watching. Um, says uh, Chase Strangio, Deputy Director for Transgender Justice at the American Civil Liberties Union, condemned the bill in a Sunday statement, calling it a devastating and dangerous violation of the rights and privacy of transgender Utahns, their families, and their medical providers. Strangio said the ACLU would not stop fighting to defend trans individuals in Utah. Until each and every one of you can access the care you need. I just thought, nowhere does this imply that children and teens won't have care, that they're not going to have health care. Like they first need to be diagnosed with gender dysphoria. That's all this is really saying. Like they just need to have not that affirmation care. And I know this goes against the affirmation care, but... We all know that is child abuse. Right. Well, so. the ACLU sucks. Uh, <laughs> I don't know the last time I read a story, we went, boy, thank goodness the ACLU is there. It's always this, you know, fighting for, you know, minorities to continue to abort their babies and continue to fight for children to have their genitals mutilated. Yeah. Like who needs the ACLU? So they stink. Not surprised that they would argue on the opposite side of this bill. But like you said, doesn't mean they're not getting care. In fact, they're actually getting the care they need. Because as we've talked about, affirmation care is not real care. Right. Just affirming somebody in a psychosis is not real medical care. And uh, don't take our word for it. That's from Dr. Jordan Peterson, (laughs) you know, Uh but it makes sense, right? The same thing we've said before. If I had anger issues where I wanted to murder somebody and I went to a psychiatrist and they just said, well, yeah, you seem to have real anger issues and you want to kill someone. So let's devise a way that you can kill somebody and not get put in prison. I'm affirming your desire to kill people. You'd go, that's not good medical practice. No, because it might be harmful to you if they try to convince you you aren't what you feel. It's ludicrous, right? <laughs> you want to talk them out of that uh, that wrong state of thinking yeah. into a more proper state of thinking, which is, I understand that you feel like a girl. But let's look in the mirror. Reality. You are a boy. Yeah. Let's come to terms with that and help you get out of this dysphoria that you're feeling. Yeah. That reality would be proper care. Is part of healthcare. Like you can't. I don't know. I don't even want to. <laughs> well, and to here's a uh, a crazy idea that they could try. Uh, maybe take them to the Bible. Show them what God says. Just a thought. I know that's offensive, What's but it's that just called? a thought. They don't have a name for that. Conversion therapy. Yeah. Not allowed in Canada. So one last point to make here um, about really, and we've talked about this many of times, protecting your children in this transgendered age that we're living in. Because in this article, uh, it discusses a woman named Helena, I think it's Kirshner is her name, who's a detransitioner. And she said, Social media websites like Tumblr encouraged her to transition. 
So as we've mentioned on here many, many times, we've shown videos from experts, you know, discussing this topic, the social media in, uh, influence and what they would dub the social contagion is very real. Yeah. Uh, people try to downplay this. I remember one article after that Abigail Schreier video that we played. Mm-hmm. After that video came out, they were kind of uh, trying to, you know, fact check Abigail Schreier. And the way that they <laughs> fact checked her was... Well, we went and talked to kids that had transitioned and we asked them basically, were you socially pressured into transitioning? And the kids told us no. So you went and asked a bunch of kids and you're like, hey, did you just give into peer pressure? And they're like, no. Scientific, right? So it is a social contagion. Social media is a poison <laughs> to your children. I think there was just an article about the U.S. Surgeon General, uh, who's probably been wrong on a lot of things. But when he said this, I think he mentioned that we shouldn't allow our children access to social media until they're at least 13 years old, which we would consider too young. But even still, that's a good start. Does that even mean like playing Roblox and stuff like that? Like, is that considered? Uh, No, I would say just traditional social media, like Facebook and TikTok and you know, I think places like TikTok are probably even worse. Twitter is probably even worse. Um, I don't know what Tumblr is, but probably bad as well if it's encouraging people to transition. So that's just a good point to remember here. Pro- protect your children. And that starts by not allowing them free reign on the internet in general, but especially fight to keep them off of social media. Media, it's a poison to those kids. So just a good positive news story. Poison to all of us. Really. It's a poison to all of us. But we'd love to see other states follow suit with this. States like, I mean, Florida, Texas, Iowa, places like that seem like this is ripe for them. So love to see those other states sort of follow Utah's lead here. But one more good news story here, if you want to read this headline, honey. 44% of U.S. adults say aftermath of COVID-19 has made them more open to God. Yeah, that's good news. That is good news. And down here it says, the Barna Group released a report earlier this month based on a survey of 2,000 U.S. adults conducted whenever that found 44% of U.S. adults, I shouldn't say whatever, October 21st (laughs) through the 31st of 2022, uh, that found 44% of U.S. adults describe themselves as more open to God today than I was before the pandemic. At the time, the overwhelming majority of adults, 77%, say they believe in a higher power, while 74% indicate a desire to grow spiritually. Though the trajectory of Christian commitment in the U.S. has been on a downward scale, it says... Uh, and is in need of urgent interventions, our new data gave Christian leaders cause for hope. And I would agree with them. I think this is a good news story um, if we use it right, you know, yeah. because if they're searching for something, we have to be ready to receive them and provide them <laughs> what they need. I mean, you have to see like this whole, the aftermath, you know, all the things that are even still going on. I mean, it is God working in a way, and it's merciful, um, so people have time to consider death, that like, especially people who've taken it, 
and they're worried and they're thinking I I could die, you know, just the crazy things that have been happening to people, the side effects. And so it is, um, God works through all things, even the bad things like he, his mercy is there uh, to wake, you know, he's waking people up through this. No, it is good to point to, you know, to remind people of death. I remember an article that I think maybe we talked about before where someone kind of lamented that cemeteries had been removed from churches because Mm. cemeteries at churches was always a reminder as you walked into church on Sunday that this life is temporary. And, you know, I don't think many Christians nowadays really ponder eternity enough and that death is coming for all of us. So things like a pandemic can certainly shake people out of our comfort and think, boy, you know, (laughs) I don't think enough about what might happen if I die. So it is good that more people are looking for, but as we get into our church topic, um, we'll, we'll kind of discuss this point further, but good news. We just have to make sure that we're using this properly, pointing them to places properly. So a couple of good news stories there, but as we roll on through the news, you know, there was really only one big news story and it's continued to dominate from last week into this week. And that was the unfortunate death of Tyree Nichols. And I believe this happened on January 7th is when the actual incident occurred, but it broke late last week and we just weren't prepared to discuss it last week. We wanted to give it time for stuff to flush out and really wrap our arms around what had happened. So that's why we didn't discuss it last week, but we do want to take some time out to discuss it. So, uh, Tyree Nichols, if I'm sure you're tracking it, if you're watching the the news at all, which is funny enough, which is why Nikki's a good test case and why I, amongst all the reasons I love having her here, one of the great reasons why she's here is because there's probably a lot of people like Nikki out there that just aren't engaged in the news. So I bring this story up and she's like, who's Tyree Nichols? I'm like, yep, I got to remember, like, she's not, she's not watching the news all the time. She's not combing social media like I am. I was going to say, I didn't even see the story like on Facebook. Like, I don't even really see a lot of news stories being shared anymore. That's good. And I don't know if it's just being censored or whatever, but I used to see news news stories a lot. That's how I'd find out about them. But it's good. You know, it's a good test case on this sort of stuff. So, you know, again, if you're unfamiliar, Tyree Nichols, he was this young man who was kind of accosted, run up on, it seems like, by the Memphis police. And... As far as I gather, we don't really know the reasons yet um, that this was done. And he was basically beaten to death by these police officers and mm. what looks like a really egregious, I mean, abuse of power, misuse of policing, uh, just gang activity. You know, it just it was horrifying to watch. And I did watch I the watch entire it. video. Yeah, wow. I mean, I didn't want to watch it. I tried to talk myself out of it, but I figured if we're going to talk about it, you need to see the video. You know, I've listened to enough people dis- uh, discuss it, but you have to kind of watch it for yourself. And it is gut-wrenching um, to watch something like this happen to a young man, you know, just brutalized the way that he was. And, you know, How it makes you think. How young was he? I believe he was 29. Yeah, so he was not an old man, you know, and to watch him get ripped out of his car and it's you know as they're beating on him and he i think at one point he looks up and he's like hey man like you guys are going like really far like he's trying to tell them like dude relax a little bit and 
but they just go crazy. And uh, I mean, pepper spraying him in the face when he's already like wicked levels that these cops were going to. And it just makes you think like, what in that situation is he supposed to do? He's, you know, besides really get beat to death. That's the only option he has, because if he strikes back to save his life, he gets a felony for assaulting a police officer. Right. If he runs for his life, he's fleeing police officers. So the only option he's left with is just lay here, be pepper sprayed and beat until I die, which ultimately what, what happened to him. So it's a horrifying video. We're not going to show any of it. If you want to see it, it's on YouTube. It's all over the place, but just be aware. It's a tough watch to watch somebody for really no good reason be just beaten to death. It's horrifying. Um, and I will point out, because we've mentioned Jason Whitlock a lot on here, and I would recommend you listen to his discussion on this incident, uh, because you may not agree ultimately with his take, but I think from what I heard, he's really the only person that was looking to understand sort of the real underlying issues that would lead to a culture that would have something like this happen. So he's just talking about from like a culture perspective and not like any facts of like this specific incident. No, I mean, his point is much more, which we would agree with. It's, this is a, uh, sort of a result of cultural rot. Yeah. Which infects every area of our lives. And we see it pop up in different places at different times. And we see it here with this police brutality where it looks like gang violence. I mean, this is what you would expect to see in the South side of Chicago, you know, but instead these guys are just wearing policemen uniforms, but it's the exact same uh, sort of situation. So you may not ultimately agree with this conclusion, but I do think that it's worth looking into more than just defund the police, you know, like there's gotta be a reason for it. And even if that's your conclusion, defund the police, why? What's the under, like, let's quit looking at the symptoms. Let's look at the cause, you know? And I think that's what Jason tried to do. You guys know we're a fan. Uh, So just, you know, consider giving that episode a listen. But we do wanted to just discuss this from really four points. That's kind of all I had here on this four main points. And I think the first one, for all of us Christians, that's very important to remember, is to pray. Uh, Pray for the Tyree Nichols family, first and foremost, that, you know, through this pain and this tragedy, they wouldn't turn away from God, but instead they would turn into God. Whether they're believers yet or not, I'm not sure, but just pray that they would turn to God, but also pray for the cops. You know, I know in times like this, it's hard to pray for evil men, but we are called to do that. You know, we are called to, you know, love those who are evil towards us and walk in love towards them. You know, I think Matthew chapter five, verse 43 and 48, I forgot to put the verse up here, but, you know, uh, not really treating evil people the way they treat us. So mm-hmm. just consider that, pray that they would come to a place of repentance, uh, ask for forgiveness to God first and foremost, like David said, against you only have I sinned. And that's ultimately when we sin, that's who we sin against is God. But uh, they have a lot of reconciliation they need to do. And um, I mean, unless other things come out, we never know what's going to come out, but unless other things come out, 
I would say they've got a lot of forgiveness to ask for. So just pray for the Nichols family and the cops. They all need uh, God's hand in their life during this time. So uh, secondly, I would say this is not an indication of policing on a national level. You know, this is a complete outlier of policing. And it's not a reason, you know, for a nationwide defund the police march. That's a suicide mission. That is not something anybody of sane mind should want to live in a country that has no policing. Uh, That's, we want proper policing. So this is a complete outlier and it should catch us off guard and we should be alarmed by it. And we are, and it seems as though the process is working. So we should be thankful for that and not throw the process out, allow the process to take place. These men, I believe, have been suspended already. They're probably, you know, Derek Chauvin, I think, got 22 years in prison for the George Floyd incident. This looks like 10 times worse than the George Floyd incident. So if he got 22 years, these guys might all be looking at life sentences, uh, which if if what it looks like is actually what it is and they're just thugs and criminals, then so be it. That's perfectly fine with me. But I think this isn't indicative of all policing across the country. These are outliers. Even when we see four or five incidents like this, these are outlier incidents. Right. We can't throw the baby out with the bathwater. Um, right. Correct the issues where they pop up correct them harshly so that other people are less likely to engage in this activity. And then just look at your hiring practices, right? And try to fix these issues instead of going, because this is what politicians do. And I will just say far more, I mean, these are Democrat controlled cities, Atlanta and stuff, you know, they enact all of these new laws, you know, it's always new law, new law, new law. Well, you need law enforcement to enforce the new law. So you hire these cops on to enforce all the new laws that you've just implemented or whatever it happens to be. But then as soon as something like this pops up, you're like, ah, oh, well, these cops are bad. We're getting rid of them. And like, well, you brought them in specifically to enact or enforce the laws that you passed, mm-hmm. you know? So if they were right. there for a reason before, why are you getting rid of them now? Like either you were wrong to begin with, which no politician will ever say they're sorry, mm-hmm. or they're there for a reason and you should keep them. But instead, they're like, you know, because I think these guys were part of like a scorpion unit or something. They're kind of like <laughs> police gangs to police gangs. Very bizarre. Well, if that was important enough for you to fund and have, then is it no longer important because one group of guys got out of control? Or is it still important, right? So hmm. we don't need to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Just correct the issues where they pop up. Um, and thirdly, I would say, with the handling of this, not the cops themselves, you know, they deserve all of the harsh penalties that are coming their way, so long as they're guilty of what it looks like they're guilty of. But the media handling it, the political handling of it, I believe chaos is the point. I think the same thing with the BLM riots in 2020, the defund the police, that the chaos is the point. You know, the mainstream media, you know, class in this country they were promoting this video this body cam release like it was halftime at the super bowl like they wanted you to get your popcorn ready and like you know save the date to come watch this horrifying video you know 
they weren't seeking to bring about a positive re- resolution from it. It was just, if it bleeds, it leads, right? Was Let's, it kind of blurred? It just seems weird to like show someone being murdered. Well, and he didn't die at the scene. They took him to the hospital. I think he died later in the hospital, but it was from injuries suffered there. I know, and it wasn't blurred. <laughs> you saw most of it and it was horrifying. Um, but I believe chaos is their point. You know, I think they want to light the nation on fire again. They're perfectly comfortable burning Atlanta to the ground, which there were protests right after this, of course, as you would expect. Um, so I don't think we can be confused about that. I think chaos is the point with these people. And then the last point here that I want to bring up, because it was making the rounds, um, (laughs) white supremacy as a motive for this act is just more proof of the chaos, I think. Uh, Hatred is their motive. They want to stir up hatred amongst us as American citizens, as they have been in almost every arena of life. Everything is racial hatred. Everything is division. Everything is be at each other's throat. And again, because I think they like the chaos. I mean, Satan is not a, uh, he's not a smooth operator, right? Mm -hmm. Chaos is the point. Just destroy destruction, chaos. That's the end goal. It's not some other ultimate end goal. It's just bring about chaos and destruction for the sake of chaos and destruction. Steal, kill, and destroy. Yeah, he's, that's his goal. That's what he does. Steal, kill, and destroy. And, you know, only in a country that's really run by Satan's children and his marketers are Satan's children, it seems, you know, only in that country can five black men beat to death another black man and it's white supremacist's fault. It doesn't make any sense, right? It's senseless. Um, but again, sadly, this is being capitalized on. And uh, sadly, I think even more so is it's being capitalized on by a lot in the pulpit. And uh, yeah. if you've been on any social media or whatever, you've probably seen a lot of it. You know, people who really have no business being in the pulpit are using this sort of racial hatred, um, stoking up hate and anger amongst their congregation. And, you know, Further evidence of that is I think, you know, L. Sharpton <laughs> was brought into Tyree Nichols' funeral. You know, you don't drag L. Sharpton out of the crypt for any reason yeah. other than to stir up racial hatred in the nation. So just sad, you know, racial division, you know, encouraging people towards racial uh, hatred and that sort of stuff is no solution right? That's not going to solve any problem in this country. The word of God is the only solution. The word of God is the only antidote to racial strife. And that's why I'm wearing my Galatians 328 shirt. We are all one in Christ Jesus. That's what we need to remember at times like these, especially when Satan's children are really trying to prod us to be at each other's throats. As we've said on here before, we need to remember it's us versus them not left versus right or Democrat versus Republican or white versus black. Right. It's us versus those who seek to oppose authority over us. Um, That's what we need to remember. And I think that's what they're doing, right? Divide and conquer. It's always the game plan. Yeah. So you can't forget it. Do you have any last thoughts on Tyree Nichols? Um, Awful story, you know? No, I just want to know why, but we don't know yet. 
No, and again, stuff may come out. It might might take a while. And uh, just again, be in prayer. I know it's hard to pray for people, especially when you think they've done something wrong or they've, you know, there are people that don't deserve our prayer. Um, you know, we have to remember that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us, um, just the same as them. And as much as we may be angry at people in this life, we have to remember hell is eternal. <laughs> you know, we don't want anybody to go to hell for eternity. You know, no matter how bad or how evil they look now, we want everybody to give their life to Christ. And the same goes for these officers. So just yeah. be in prayer for them. But so you have anything else on just news topics in general before we roll into our Bible discussion here? Nope. Nope. Good news all around. Bad news with Tyree Nichols, but let's not go crazy with it. So as we mentioned in the open here, uh, we're going to push our final assurance of salvation to next week. So 10 assurances of salvation. We're on number 10. And we do want to get to it because after that, we're going to start discussing sin in a more uh, thoughtful way. That's what we're going to try to do. But for today's Bible topic, we just want to focus on the church. We want to focus on the church more broadly. And then we want to focus specifically on Bethel Church. So if you guys thought I did a lot of talking during the Tyree Nichols news story, well, Nikki's going to have her chance during the Bethel the discussion. <laughs> there was smoke coming off her keyboard when she was typing. So um, he's always exaggerating about me. <laughs> well, one of the points that I wanted to mention, uh, or one of the points that George Barna from that survey that we mentioned about the 44% that are wanting to come to God after the COVID crisis. Uh, one of the points that they brought up there, it says, our data show the church has real work to do to bridge the gap or to bridge the trust gap for people who are spiritual, but not religious. Mm. So that's one of the things he notes in there that we need to actually do some hard work on bridge that gap of trust from people that are spiritual but not religious. And uh, mm. part of the reason that I thought this was uh, worth discussing today is many may be moving away from the church or really looking for spirituality away from the Christian church because so many have been making a mockery of the, the Christian church or Christianity in general. Mm -hmm. uh, many who claim the mantle of Christian or wear yeah. the label of Christianity have really made a mockery of the Christian faith. And Christianity, again, as we have seen it yet again uh, in the aftermath of the Tyree Nichols uh, incident, you know, in many places, people that wear that label of Christianity seem to serve only as like an arm of the Democrat political machine or the grievance politics industry, you know, and it can work the other way as well, you know, of trying to push Republican, you know, ideology from the pulpit. It just tends to be the Democrat platform is mm -hmm. typically far more anti-Christ or explicitly anti-Christ in a lot of the positions that they hold. Um, but that isn't Christianity, right? That sort of 
nonsense from the pulpit, but it's what a lot of people see from the pulpit. And, you know, we have people who we would consider unqualified people really playing the role of pastor that are up there sort of fomenting this race hatred, these victimhood mentalities. And, you know, on top of that, at the same time, you have the LGBTQ infiltration that's taking place in the churches. Mm. You know, and here again, you've got people that are playing pastor, again, unqualified. And what they show the world of Christianity is sexual immorality. That's their yeah. calling card, right? They've taken the rainbow and they've replaced that for the cross, right? They've replaced the cross with the rainbow. And that's the predominant uh, symbol that they're showing to the unbelievers. That's how people choose the church now is like, what's their political stance? Um, you know, are they supporting, you know, the things I support politically or yeah, the LGBTQ stuff. Like these are the issues. These are the things people, how they search for a church based on just that. They're not even like really concerned about deeper <laughs> doctrine matters, you know, <laughs> No, and that's why you see, I mean, so many churches nowadays, you know, we, you know, we welcome everybody or like everybody is welcome here. And, you know, these sorts of things like they're kind of just calling cards for like the LGBTQ crowd. We want you in our church. You're welcome in our church sort of a thing. And, um, but we also have aside from, you know, the race uh, sort of hustlers in the pulpit, the LGBTQ uh, infiltration in the pulpit. We have just progressive Christianity that's running amok. And I have an article here from Christianity Today, and it says two congregations force LGBT debate on evangel or evangelical covenant church. And in this article, it says, ooh, where is it? Not sure, but it says. Uh, Dan Collison uh, is one of the pastors mentioned in here who is of this progressive Christian crowd, the inclusivity crowd. And, you know, we just found out recently Andy Stanley, right? You can throw into this crowd as well here, um, the inclusivity progressive Christian camp. These guys, they won't even adhere to the Bible that they claim to be preaching from, you know? So if the pastor doesn't think the Bible's worth following, Right. that the God who the Bible is explaining is worth adhering to, then why would these unbelievers that are seeking religion? I don't know? know. I think people think they can get to heaven just by going to a church and it's got to be one they're comfortable in. Yeah. I mean, that's if they don't just think, well, I'm good enough and I'll get there because I'm not as bad as that guy, which is not saving faith in any way. But uh, this Dan Collison gentleman in this article uh, he was a bishop of a church that was rightfully, in my opinion, expelled from the evangelical covenant churches uh, from their whole denomination. And they were expelled for hosting same-sex couples, ordaining homosexuals. But in the article, he's quoted as saying, and I think this kind of underlines the progressive Christian crowd. He said, ultimately, it becomes a question of what is love about and what is inclusion about? <laughs> so what is love about? What is inclusion about? Not what is God about? You know, what is scripture about? Well, I know what love is in the Bible. Like, if you love me, obey my commands. Right. But now it's about <laughs> inclusion. And now it's about redefining love, 
these are the predominant uh, issues that are governing these progressive Christian churches. Um, so in case Dan Collison's watching this <laughs> and he's never read Ephesians chapter five, I have Ephesians chapter five, verse three here. Um, but among you, there must not be even a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Not even a hint. Not even a hint. And when you, so a hint is a very small amount, but when you build your entire church off of uh, nothing but hints that become the whole, that ain't good. I think the Apostle Paul might have words to say about that. So right. not good. Yeah, I was going to read um section here if you for it real quick. We'll just go ahead while I'm looking right for it. Okay. Quest Pastor Gail Song Bantam said on Facebook that the decision to force removal was intentionally disruptive, but that's necessary to shift a culture. She says, my life's call has always been about shifting existing cultures toward greater diversity and possibility. I trust that this removal process and the conversations that emerge will press all of us to acknowledge and be honest about where we are on the spectrum of truly embodying difference and liberation. Quest, which was planted by Eugene Cho in 2001, currently describes itself as fully affirming. So I noticed this, this word elsewhere, this affirmation word. Where else do we see this affirmation being the main thing? We talk about it a lot. Oh, yeah. Healthcare industry. Yep. Especially in regards to affirming children in their imagination of gender dysphoria. So affirmation and liberation. So affirm people in their freedom to sin. Freedom yeah. to sin. It should have been justification and sanctification, not affirmation and liberation. Yeah, I think they, they got off a little there. A little off track there. Yeah. Well, so that's what they want. They want freedom to sin, not freedom from sin. Well, this is because they've not been set free from the bondage of sin. Therefore, I mean, you conclude they're not born again. They want the freedom to sin. So only those who are born again truly have freedom. The will to not sin or the desire to not sin. Yeah, and this so, is a good indicator, right? We're called to judge a tree by its fruit yes. and these sorts of things. And when people are trying to justify and make room for their sin, rather than hating it and desiring to die to it, that's a pretty good indicator. Again, we're not judging souls, but if you're seeing people do this, again, when they're talking to you about affirmation and liberation, you should be reminding them it's justification and sanctification. We should be hating our sins and laying right. it down, not trying to you know, splice the Bible together or take something out of context or a new translation that gives us a little bit of extra wiggle room. Mm -hmm. No, it's if it even has a hint of immorality, get rid of it. That starts with you and then it extends to those around you in your church. Instead of saying, we're just going to make room for it. We're going to redefine love and to whatever man's definition of it is. And, you know, we're going to be just accepting of everybody. Like, no, you say that's you're not what we're called to do. Because if you say you've been born again, that is saying you've been set free 
from the bondage of sin. But if you say, I'm born again, but you go back into that sin, no guilt, no shame, you love it. Jesus said, a dog returns to its vomit. That fits perfectly. So people who want to stay in their sin, but say, I'm free, I have free will. Um, No, you don't. You don't have free will when you're in bondage to sin. Either you're free or you're not. Like saying free will, you're free from what? What are you free from? So either you are. Whom the sun sets free is free. And you will live. You will follow. You will follow Jesus. You will hear his voice. You recognize it. You follow it. Yeah. Simple. I mean, that's a I mean, easy sign of the spirit living in you. Do you hate sin? Are you actively like wanting to rid yourself of the sins that afflict you? It doesn't mean you rid them overnight. But are you working? Are you being sanctified in that process instead of just going, I like this one. It's my identity. Will you accept it in your church? Good. Now I'm a member of the Episcopal yeah, church. Why identify <laughs> as something um, you've been, that Jesus died for, for you to be set free from? Right. So, and I make, I say all of this, bring out all these different churches and lump them all in together to make this point, uh, because I saw this point on Twitter and I, really liked it. Now, I don't know who it was, so I can't give them credit, but I hope they're right. And they made the point that woke preacher clips is going to be to the church what libs of TikTok has been to the LGBTQ movement. So if you're not on Twitter, um, don't get on it. Just stay off of it. But if you are and you aren't following woke preacher clips, maybe you should start. Um, because they do basically nothing but expose the race baiting, the LGBTQ, the, you know, inclusion insanity that's so pervasive in the church. And they just expose it clip after clip after clip. And, you know, hopefully like this person on Twitter mentioned, um, that in light of revealing these heretics, that can allow us to really come to grips with just how rampant heretical preaching is in the church today. You know, libs of TikTok, if you haven't seen that or you haven't been aware of it, it's really, I think, been the catalyst to a lot of things, you know, like this law in Utah kind of being passed. I think libs of TikTok has a lot to, had a lot to do in getting laws like this passed. You know, once we started to see with our own eyes, the real level of sort of sexual depravity that's being pushed on our children. Um, I think people finally had their eyes open and they've started to demand change, which I think has been great. And hopefully, you know, we're going to start to see this same sort of thing happen with the church, you know, because we have so many, <laughs> so many heretics in the pulpit. I hope so. Gosh, that does give you some hope, you know. Because it's a lot of issues we talk about. I mean, that's why we're called religionless Christianity. Yeah, and I think, you know, I don't know if you notice it when you're just in it. You know, because these churches are full of people that are clapping along. And I don't think you really realize it necessarily until maybe it's shown to you at a different level or from a different angle. And you realize like, yeah, that's not that's not proper preaching. Like that's just politics. 
that's all they're preaching to me is yeah. just pol- now not all of them but again hopefully some of them are going to see this and start removing themselves from this sort of thing so um you know i think maybe you know my hope is woke preacher clips is going to start shining this light more and more uh you know maybe a new puritan movement can kind of take over this country i think it's what's needed uh you know so we can get to a place where this 77% of spiritual and looking these sort of people that when they go to a church, they can actually find a church that points them to the true God instead of playing off their fears or really leading them into deeper sin and deeper alienation from God. You know, because James tells us that not many are called to be teachers, right? But instead we've got a church on every corner, two or three on every street, you know, just filled with people that probably have no business being there. And that just leads other people into really getting alienated from God in a lot of ways where they think they're getting close to him. In fact, they're really getting a lot of roadblocks put in front of them by these heretical preachers. Mm -hmm. So I think this is good news. If you're on Twitter, go give uh, woke preacher clips a follow and, you know, start sharing it and start pointing out what's wrong with what these preachers are talking. I mean, when you get up in your pulpit on a Sunday morning, it should be the word of God. Yeah. It should be the word of God. Why do people come to your church? Are they there to hear a motivational speech or political or are they hungry for the word of God? Yeah. Like if your sermon on a Sunday is white supremacy led to Tyree Nichols death, that's not a a biblical I don't want churches. Like, I don't want this taking over that that's what church becomes for people and it is for a lot of people and again even some of these churches you might say well they're outliers too um but there's a lot of them and even still we need to rid ourselves of them and i think woke preacher clips for all the problems of social media you know libs of tiktok has been great to expose the sexual depravity i think woke preacher clips is great for exposing the heresy in the church. And yeah, just, you know, we got to bring it to light. We got to speak out against it, you know, point it out to your friends and family. Hey, here's what this guy's saying. And it's not right. (laughs) What he's speaking is a heresy, or it's just flat out incorrect, or he's completely off base. He's misusing scripture, whatever happens. There's so much wrong that we do feel like we're always pointing what's wrong, but because there is so much wrong, like you have to warn, you have to be like a watchman. You got to warn people. (laughs) No, for sure. And so we wanted to make that point with those stories. And that was kind of the church broadly. You know, I think there's light being shined on the church. And I think that's a good thing. Yeah. Um, I think exposing heresy can actually help purify the American church, which we sadly, sadly need. Yeah. So that's going from the broad church. And we want to narrow this down and focus on one particular church for the time we have remaining. Um, Though I would say they're better labeled as a sort of Christian, like a movement in the church rather than just a Christian church. And that's Bethel Church. You know, Bethel is bigger than a church, though it is a mega church. I think last time I looked, they have about 9,000 members, but their music is used all over the country, they probably have all made over a the name world for themselves. For um, sure. So it's kind of a church movement. And uh, we wanted to bring this up because just this week, Mike Winger, who you may have heard about on YouTube, 
he posted a lengthy review about a or on a book by this lady named Judy Franklin, who is a member of Bethel. She's a uh, Bethelite, I guess. And the book is called Physics of Heaven. And it was, we watched it really because it was just brought to our attention. And, you know, that people that we know. A pastor on Facebook had shared it, I believe. Yeah. And then we talked to other people we know that were like, oh, yeah, you know, I have that book or I meant to read it or something to that effect. Um, So we wanted to, you know, oddly enough, watch this video. And um, after watching it, we just wanted to take some time out to really discuss why we believe um, we should just be wholesale disassociating from Bethel Church and really denouncing them as heretical, you know, again, exposing and shining that light on them for what they are and what they teach. I think that would be very important in our country. Yeah, I remember hearing people's testimonies even a few years ago who were a part of their, um, you know, their... Holy, what is it called? The School of Ministry. The School of Supernatural, Supernatural. Ministry. Yeah. Um, there's been people who come out of it and talk about how it's not right. But Mike Winger points out that Bethel Church, like Spencer said, isn't really a church. It's a church movement. And he's so Mike Winger says they're building a bridge, Bethel Church, building a bridge for Christians to head towards New Age beliefs and practices and just calling it Christian. And so Judy Franklin, like Spencer says, the author of the book, um, Bill Johnson, the pastor of Bethel, endorses this book. And he's even taught Judy Franklin her new age practices that she describes in this book. So, And she's not the only author in the book right. either. I think there's multiple there's other people names I don't from recognize. Bethel. Chris Valentin, I recognize because he's like their Bethel's prophet. Yeah, he's their Nathan. He's... <laughs> Apparently. Um, so... Yeah. yeah, but it's written by a lot of people that are very much involved in Bethel, and it's endorsed by Bill Johnson, who is the head pastor of Bethel. I guess I didn't realize how all these people, like I've heard their names, but I didn't know they were all connected to Bethel in some way. I remember listening to a sermon online a few years ago before I was awake to all this. Um, it was probably like four, five years ago. Um Someone sent me, you know, a, a good person to listen to, uh, Chris Valentin, in the sermon, if it was a sermon or just a, at a conference, I don't know what it was, but he was talking about how like women equal rights, liberation, and how Jesus began the liberation, the women's liberation movement in scripture. <laughs> and I'm looking back now, I'm like, wow, I didn't realize where he was going with that, I guess. Speaking to of seeing- kooky things brought about. I just, one of the woke preacher clips, I just throw this out here before we get back to Bethel. They highlighted that, uh, what was it? Christian nationalism started in the Garden of Gethsemane. So make that work. Oh my god! Uh, anywho, that's just a side note if you want to follow woke preacher clips. <sighs> but uh, well, anyway. Yeah, so it's a very much endorsed by Bethel Church book. Yes. So we know it's, you could say, at the end of this run from Bethel. Like they're all (laughs) like-minded. The main scripture uh, that Mike Winger brought up, and I think maybe the whole book might be centered around 
Um, they use Jeremiah 15, 19, which reads, therefore, thus says the Lord, if you return, then I will bring you back. You shall stand before me. If you take out the precious from the worthless, some versions say vile. Um, so if you take out the precious from the worthless, that's the main thing there. You shall be as my mouth. Um, let them return to you, but you must not return to them. So taking out this precious from the worthless. Um, so Judy is quoted in the book saying, I decided to examine new age thought and practice for anything precious that might be extracted from the worthless. Yeah, so, not good. Yeah, so they teach that that those powerful practices, they think, you know, they're power, there's power in them, but it's supposed to be ours. So they teach that those practices belong to us, us believers, or even in the, the Old Testament, to God's people first. And then we need to reclaim them as ours and use them to, to tap into the power that God has for us. Um, it's really weird. So they claim that even the early apostles did not operate in all the power that God had available for them. Um, really strange. Yeah, if only they would that. have gone to Bethel School of Supernatural Ministry, then Peter would have really had an anointing. Yeah, it goes along with the things they say, like God is showing us a new thing. A new, they always speak that kind of stuff. God's doing a new thing, a new fresh wind, uh, you know, words like that. God's doing, he's speaking a new word this season. Yeah. No, close your ears to that. Um, so they idolize God's power. Like they want it and to use it for themselves. So they want to be like God is what this comes down to. Um, it's like they don't even bother praying to God as Jesus taught us. Like they're not dependent upon God hearing their prayers as their heavenly father. Um, so they're not even acting like children of God. They just want that power and they think that they got to seek it out instead of just simply asking God for, not for power, but, you know, things in life that you're dealing with, like. God hears your prayers. He wants to take care of you. <laughs> so, yeah, it's I like don't they don't want just God to be God and care for his people. It's like, I want to be Moses. Yeah. Specifically, you know, we even watched a Bethel video and they were, they had a rod, you know, like uh, Aaron's rod. And they're like striking it on the ground because they were going to end racism they with were this all strike. holding it like a and bunch of like, them. <laughs> you're not Moses. Uh, Thou shalt not pass yeah. about racism. Like it will not come lunacy. into our. Absolute lunacy. It was kind so. of comical, but it's sad. So they're kind of obsessed with searching out how to experience power and attribute it to God or Christianity. So Mike Winger makes the point that they are really just discontent in their spiritual life unless they are operating in this supposed power that we got to seek out. So he. He warns his listeners that whenever you hear, like I said, I agree with this. You hear that something is new, that God is now revealing. He says it's a red flag. I've always thought that too. That's that's weird. Um, yeah, and, it's always a red flag. When you ever hear a new move, a new fresh whatever. Um, and, you know, they he explains it at length in this. And, you know, most people that probably discuss Bethel, like it's literally just, whatever they make up in the moment, they say it's a new whatever. 
And then they just say it's by God and everyone's supposed to just go, oh, okay, I guess, yeah, God's, uh, you know, making people drunk in the spirit now. We never saw that. And, you know, they're high on the Holy Spirit. Okay, I guess that's a, a new thing now. Uh, yeah, well, God said it. So there it is. This we're is all, all high on the spirit now. We, this is all we were ever exposed to. Like we used to kind of believe some of this, not all of it, but we've had these weird experiences like the high and the Holy Spirit. Not that we were, you know, having an experience, but the people around us were doing stuff to try to have this experience. Well, that's good that it was always like unsettling. Yeah, like, it was. What, are we, what is everyone doing There here? was one, that's if you weird. haven't heard of John Crowder, maybe brought him up before, but that's the guy who came to um, my friend's church, you know, and she invited us because it was like, you know, he was the speaker there for a couple of days doing some kind of conference. And it was a tiny church too. So it was kind of funny that he came there. But yeah, he was doing the pass in the Holy Spirit joint. I was pregnant with the boys. <laughs> we're like, what are we doing? Is this in the Bible? I know. We're like, what? nope, it's in his mind, which means it's from God somehow. Yeah. So that was weird. And that was 16, almost 16 years ago. But yeah, you just don't know what you don't know. You don't know if something, I mean, we weren't into the, into the word so much to really like test it. I think, I think so many people are like where we were. So I can't. If that's all they've grown up in, they just need to read the Bible. They hopefully right, it's certainly not an accusation against right. the people that are going. It's yeah. an encouragement to like, this is not something you're supposed to be doing. Please seek out the word of God yeah. and some sound biblical teaching and come to a, a sure understanding of what you're involved in right now. Yeah, because I was unaware of what pagan practices were um, to even compare it, to even say if it was pagan or not. So um, Judy Franklin uh, teaches how teaches classes on how to take trips to heaven. Um, to and then she says to pray. You have to pray that God would sanctify your imagination. So they say it is your imagination, but God sanctifies it. So whatever you're imagining, God is um, in control of it. So you just have to trust. No, no matter how silly the imagination is, God is sanctifying it. So you have to trust the vision. Um, so she had, she wrote in the, the book her visit to heaven, and it was wacky. Like you're like, this is not a visit. This is I'm sorry. This is not a vision. This is this is your imagination. That's it. Well, and it's what we said before. It's making a mockery of God when yes, she explains her trip to heaven. You're like, you think that's God? You think that's gonna like draw? People in, like, you're making Christianity look crazy. Yeah, it's it's laughable, and it's a mockery of who our God is, the holy and righteous, omnipotent creator of the universe. And they explain it like it's an old 1950s, you know, Disney Mickey Mouse cartoon. I know. I was actually, when, I, when he was um, quoting her from the book, like, in my mind, I had like a cartoon, <laughs> a cartoon going on. Oh, no, I was thinking of um, because she said, you know, she was there with God or whatever. He was like, he's huge. She said that she described him as like a mountain or something. And he tossed her up in the air and swallowed her. And she was in his heart or wherever. And she could see all his blood cells. And they all had the word love written on every one of his blood cells. And and then... Bill Johnson comes up 
riding on a blood cell like a cowboy and he was wearing a cowboy hat. And then they like went through the throat of God so they could hear his voice. Like, <laughs> sounds insane. And all I could think of was that show, The Magic School Bus, <laughs> where they yeah. actually like shrink down and they can go inside people's bodies and see blood cells. <laughs> yeah, it made me think of like, if you've seen the video game Cuphead, it's made like the old 1950s cartoon and that's the way I'm picturing it. But oh. again... <laughs> She's an old lady and that's her imagination. It's not really from God. So it makes sense that an old cartoon is what would it's come to her mind. And then he even says in there how she described in the book that she had hesitation and thought, how silly is this? Um, I'm just imagining it, but I can't be in fear. Like Bill Johnson was helping her through this because she felt like, no, this is just me. So he encouraged her in it. You know, if you have fear or doubt, that's not from God. And so that's how she stuck with it, um, which <laughs> is really weird. Lunatic imaginations, you should fear those, uh, I would say. It's, I think yeah, that's a proper really fear. Odd. So this is a new age practice. Like all this thing, these things where you just, um, it's like you're putting yourself in a trance. It is a, a pagan thing. Um, we're not told to do this in scripture. So you don't lay down and just close your eyes and use your imagination, imagining yourself and with God and then saying, God gave me a vision. That's the thing. They're saying this is a vision from God. Right. And I think even in one of them, they talk about in their school, they teach them like, just close your eyes and think about Jesus and, you know, what's he doing now? And they're like, oh, he, and, and somehow Jesus is dancing with every one of them. I feel like almost a lot of these people want to have like an intimate relationship with Jesus, yeah. which is weird. He's always touching them and dancing with them. And it's really weird. And then they're like, well, what did Jesus say to you? And then it's like, he loves me. And they're like, you just prophesied. Like, no, <laughs> you didn't prophesy. Uh, but, you know, loony, it's crazy stuff. And that's why I think it's important to point it out, which is why we're doing it. This is another weird thing. It's like affirmation in your imagination. And say, well, it's and that's real. a huge part of this whole ministry <laughs> with Bethel. And this is, again why it's a mockery of Christianity and why it needs to be called out as such is because it it's affirmation in whatever you say. It's literally whatever kind of crazy delusion you come up with and you say, the Lord told me, everyone just goes, ah, the Lord. Well, it must be a new thing then. It must be from God. Why else would you have said it was from God? Mm -hmm. Instead of going, hold on a second, God tossed you in the air, swallowed you and you wrote blood cells wrote with love. What book in the Bible was that something Isaiah did? Was that was that the lesser prophets I might have missed? Or was that just you? I don't know. People like experiences, I'm telling you. They just like to believe that what they think is real and just be delusional. I mean, it's not just in the church, it's outside the church too, obviously. We talk about that stuff all the time. But I mean, we're not supposed to practice these things. Um, we're not even to try to relate to unbelievers and hopes to preach the gospel to them. Like Bethel has been known to do in the past with the trying to reach unbelievers through tarot cards and palm readings and stuff like that. Yeah. This um, is part of the practices they think we need to take back from them. Well, we're going right. to do spiritual tarot cards, right? You're just <laughs> no. renaming it. No, uh, this Ouija board. This is a spiritual Ouija board. So this no. scripture just, to help you out, uh, Deuteronomy 12, 29 to 32 says, When the Lord your God cuts 
off from before you the nations which you go to dispossess, and you displace them and dwell in their land. Take heed to yourself that you are not ensnared to follow them after they are destroyed from before you, and that you do not inquire after their gods, saying, How did these nations serve their gods? I also will do likewise. You shall not worship the Lord your God in that way, for every abomination to the Lord which he hates they have done to their gods, for they burn even their sons and daughters in the fire to their gods. Whatever I command you, be careful to observe it. You shall not add to it nor take away from it. So we are not to tempt the Lord. Yeah. And uh, another point worth mentioning, the Old Testament is still for us today. (laughs) It's still part of the Bible. Deuteronomy is still relevant to us today. So that is worth adhering to, not Mm -hmm. practicing in pagan uh, religion and pagan practices and saying it's to the Lord. No, it isn't. It's pagan. And there was this guy in the book, he wrote parts of his name's Jonathan Welton. Um, I don't know that name. Do you? I've never heard of it, but he um, is a Bethelite, I believe. Yeah, I think they all are. So they have this, he has this weird logic he talks about, about there being, um, if there's a counterfeit, um, then there's something real in that counterfeit. And you have to study the counterfeit to find the truth in it. So this goes back to that verse to extract the the precious from the worthless. So go and these pagan practices. I'm just going to quote here. Um, I typed all this out that he said, it's really weird. So just with all this talk about counterfeit and authentic, he says, by now you may be scratching your head, hoping for examples. The best examples I have that I've found are in the new age movement. They have been trafficking in the church's stolen goods for a long time. I have found throughout scripture, at least 75 examples of things the new age has counterfeited, such as having a spirit guide, trances, meditation, auras, power objects, clairvoyance, and clairaudience, and more. I don't know what clairaudience is. No idea. And he says, these actually belong to the church and have cleverly been repackaged. When you see a counterfeit, don't shrink back in fear, but let this cry rise in your heart. That is mine and I want it back. (laughs) And I just think, in my mind, I'm thinking of Gollum from Lord of the Rings, like, my precious. Yeah, I went to New Orleans and saw a shrunken head, and I thought, I'm taking that back for I know. Christ. Like, there's something precious I'm in shrink that. Heads. I don't know. I just thought, ee, that's really scary. Like to say that's mine and I want it back. I don't know where your mind is gonna go. Like, what are you gonna do? Like, you see things like in the bookstore. There's like crystals, and there's like all the new age stuff right next to the Christian section. Or even as Christian. I mean, it's <laughs> right. You got Joel Osteen in there and all those other prosperity preachers, but it is huge. I even see like people in some churches or Christians wearing the crystals. I'm like, maybe this is where they get it. Maybe they think they're just they've read this book or they think I extracted the the precious from the worthless. And I we can be into spirit guides and all this meditation. We're not supposed to go into meditation. We're supposed to meditate on the word of God, not go into a trance. Yeah, we're not in a trance trying to clairvoyantly access the heavenly realms to be swallowed by God. Uh, that's We're These supposed not- to meditate on the word of God day and night. That's what we're supposed to do. Uh, we're supposed to pray. You know, we're not supposed to be, you know, 
seeking auras and power objects. No, those are the things that God tells us to stay away from. There is nowhere <laughs> in scripture where God says, now, you know, it, it, Mike Winger brings us up. There's nowhere in scripture where God's like, go and, and seek it out. You got to find these truths. So you can have power. You got to extract it. Like, I wonder There's, if he's thinking about like the Ark of the Covenant where they had like Aaron's rod probably, in there. And like, yeah. well, if Aaron's rod was in the Ark, I can wear a crystal and claim it for, I don't know what kind oh, I'm of. I'm sure they bring it up in the book. Who knows where it's from, but. <sighs> but anyway, this whole thing with um, Judy Franklin, how she was afraid that she was being deceived um, going into these practices. She was afraid that she could become deceived and, and that Satan could snatch her away or steal her away. And so he's um, just telling her, no, it's impossible for you to be deceived. Satan can't steal you away. Like, just giving her permission. You can go into this and God's going to protect you. You can go in and and get out the good from the the, the evil or whatever and, and nothing bad's going to happen. Which is silly because we just got done talking about a whole bunch of churches that are exposed on Wolf Preacher Clips where we would say people are deceived every day yeah. on race issues, on sexual immorality issues, the progressive church and inclusion, diversity, all that stuff is deception. It's happening yes. every day. Christians can be deceived. And Mike Winger brought up some um, verses here. Um of possi the possibility of being deceived. So 2 Corinthians 11.4, or 11.3, sorry. But I fear lest somehow as the serpent deceived Eve by his craftiness, so your minds may be corrupted from the simplicity that is in Christ. For if he who comes preaches another Jesus whom we have not preached, or if you receive a different spirit which you have not received, um, or a different gospel which you have not accepted— you may well put up with it. And Galatians 4.11, um, actually not 4.11, starting in 8. <laughs> I didn't fix that. Yeah, it's interesting. Eve was perfect and sinless, and she was deceived. Yeah. Yet somehow we are above all that. Uh, I would say no. So Galatians 4, starting in verse 8. But then, indeed, when you did not know God, you served those by which... Um, which by nature are not God's. But now after you have known God, or rather are known by God, how is it that you turn again to the weak and beggarly elements to which you desire again to be in bondage? You observe days and months and seasons and years. I'm afraid for you, lest I have labored for you in vain. Hmm. Sounds like they might have been deceived there a little bit, needed correction, which again is why we're pointing this out, because those at Bethel, we would say, have been deceived and need correction. I mean, Paul says, imitate me. Yeah, we are imitating him in warning others. And that's fine. Imitate him, you know, in godliness too. But this time we're in, it's, especially because of social media. I mean, it's so easy to deceive people these days. Well, and the danger is, is more people can be deceived because they yes. can see more of it. But also more people can see the deception going on and hopefully yeah. start clearing some of that out. So it's kind of a, a give and take there, you know, a little bit, the blessing and the curse of the, the internet and the social media age that we live in. Mm -hmm. So, uh, and that's why we're trying to highlight it like Mike Winger did. And, and the video is great. Go watch it. It's two hours long, super in-depth breakdown of this book. And 
even when I first heard about it, they were like, it's the physics of heaven. I was like, why, how does somebody know what the physics of heaven are? The Bible doesn't explain the physics of heaven. Quantum mysticism. And that's what he keeps pointing to is it's mysticism. So it's he quantum on, mysticism. on that. We don't need to get into all that. So that's more like the physics part. And he calls out the, I can't remember the guy's name they had on there who was whatever his title is. I don't he's know. He's supposedly but he a physicist. But he isn't but he's not, what, he is what he claims. But So you know. the whole book unravels because they try to back up their point of view with this guy and it turns out no it's it's lie <laughs> right so the whole book you know and again even that physics of heaven right is like hey i'm gonna tell you what the physics are heaven of heaven are because god told me you're just supposed to go oh well if god told you well then let's hear it wow that sounds zany and weird but it must be true instead of going you know what where did you, what verse are you pointing to the physics of heaven? People None? like this stuff. They say the, the crazier, the more wild it is, the more they're, they dive right into it. They're like anything that's other people are skeptical, skept, skeptical, skeptical over, um, they think, well, they're just in fear. Well, like they say in the book, you're just in fear. Just dive in and trust God. You're not going to be deceived. Maybe that fear is Holy Spirit discernment. I know, and you right? should listen to it. So, <laughs> so that alone, the book alone is kooky enough for you to run from Bethel. But I did want to just give a little bit more on Bill Johnson specifically in sort of these heretical teachings from Bethel. And this isn't all new. This is no, this old is long, stuff. you know, been exposed. But yeah, you know. I just have a few of these points here. And the first one is a common teaching really among many and not just Bill Johnson, but the word of faith, the health and wealth camps. Um, and Bill Johnson speaking on God healing, he said, how can God choose not to heal someone when he already purchased their healing? There are no deficiencies on his end. Neither the covenant or neither the covenant is deficient, nor his compassion or promises. All lack is on our end of the equation. And two main problems with this teaching. Uh, first, simply not scriptural. <laughs> uh, Jesus didn't need anyone's faith to perform miracles or healings. You can just go to the story of the widow Nain in Luke chapter 7. He raised a dead man and a a mom who did nothing to call Jesus over. It says Jesus had compassion and raised a boy to life. There was no faith involved. There was the power of Christ. Um, and secondly, this idea that an omnipotent God would somehow be limited by our faith is absurd. Uh, not to mention, we have no faith when he saves us. <laughs> so right, our lack us. of faith doesn't stop us from being saved, he gives us the required faith to save us. Think, you know, oh. <laughs> we have a God who can speak the cosmos into existence, hold it all together, you know, but unless you believe really, really hard, well, he's just powerless to help you. It's really just nonsense. And then thirdly, and this might be the worst part, and this goes to all of the stuff at Bethel, it's terrible to tell people when they're really in need of help or they're really in need of health, that God would help them, but they just don't have enough faith. 
boy, God really wants to do something for you, but you're just getting in the way of it. Like, like that's probably spiritual abuse. I would yeah. say at some level toward these people. And again, it makes God smaller than their faith. Like, what does this say about that little girl, Olive, which he, he does bring up on the, um, in his video. And I remember when that was going on a couple of years ago, maybe two, three years ago now, um, this little girl, um, in the church, she died and they had like a three day event of commanding her to come back to life. Like, you know, the whole thing, the power in your words, we have the power uh, in our words, death and life is in the power of the tongue. She didn't come back to life. Um, and, and you're like, what are they concluding? How does that make the parents feel? Oh, the little girl got what was coming to her, right? She just didn't like, have the faith to believe, right? Someone didn't have enough faith, but I'm like, which is a Why shameful God thing not to say wanna, to people. They don't serve a sovereign God. That's what it comes down to. They see themselves as sovereign, really, but they're limited. There's always some issue, some excuse. They don't, you can't call on God, but at the same time, no, I'll just do it with my words, with my power. And we'll tell you the excuse right now. There is no such thing as a faith healer today. God heals because God's good. But there is nobody walking around with an apostolic anointing of healing that doesn't exist today. Um, just like there are no prophets walking around. Now, we can discuss the, the validity of prophecy, but there is no Jeremiah today. There is no Isaiah today. Those people don't exist anymore. That was in the early church. Uh, so this idea that there's just a faith healer who just wants to heal you, but doggone it, your faith just gets in the way. Which is funny because the same people will claim that like this, the power to heal was so strong that like Peter could just walk past somebody and his shadow would heal them. And like, but yet it's somehow there's this blockage of like if there's God of their faith that's just stopping God. If there's going to be faith anywhere, it would be at Bethel. So there should be miracles all the time there. That should be the place where there's the most faith because it gets stirred up, you know, through the stories and the teachings. Yeah. And, and I just think about how sad it is. It just makes me think of like Job's, Job's friends who came to the conclusion that oh, all this has happened to you because there's got to be some sin in your life, some great sin that we just don't know about. So when something terrible happens to somebody and you're not blessed anymore and people think that of you, it's like Job was righteous. He didn't sin. No, and that's what's frustrating about this, because some of the most faithful people I know that are caught up in this stuff, and it's like, you have, like, are you really thinking that you lack faith? But you're being convinced somehow that, you know, well, I've had these, you know, people tell me or these prophecies, of, but it just hasn't come yet. And like, no, man, like your faith is good and God loves you. Don't be wrapped up in this doubting yourself or, you know, Ah, it's just like you're being abused by these people yeah, and you don't is. see it. And it's so frustrating. And it is a spiritual um, abuse. So, yeah, that's what I would say on that <sighs> point. There's more, though. But that will make people think that God doesn't love them. Or maybe I'm not saved because it, it, my prayer didn't get answered. Or, gosh, that just really messes people up yeah. to tell them the conclusion it's them. But God loves you. In spite, like, I believe God helped my unbelief. We can all say that. 
Yeah, it's. I think it's spiritual abuse, and I don't think it's scriptural at any level. No, that your faith is going to limit God somehow. Mm-mm. We don't <clears> um, block. We don't block God. Yeah, like God is is sovereign. He's sovereign over life and death. And even if you want to make the faith argument, if you have enough faith to go there to seek it, but somehow you didn't have enough to receive it, it's just lunacy. Yeah. Um, but we got to keep this moving here. The yeah. next point that they bring up, <laughs> and they. They mention it partly in the book, but they don't mention it um, entirely. But there's a idea called grave sucking. In the book he talks? They talk about something similar. Oh. But this okay. grave sucking or grave soaking um, that they've referenced sort of, they allude to kind of the same principle, but then they make note that, well, Bill Johnson doesn't, uh, he, he denounced grave sucking. So I went and looked it up. If you they just do it, if you search grave soaking, uh, the first video you see on YouTube will be Bethel, you know, grave soaking, whatever it is. And this is really the practice of receiving the Holy Spirit anointing left behind on dead bodies of supposed great men and women of faith. So really, you can just go to these graves uh, and soak up the left behind, you know, spiritual anointing on these people. And I'll try to remember to throw a link to the video I watched. And they're there at Smith Wiggleworth's uh, grave. And they talked about how the left behind anointing that you can just soak up. They're very new age. Like, I didn't even know what to call it back then. I remember several years ago hearing about that. So again, (laughs) problems with this point to a scripture um, where this is offered to us to go and soak up left behind anointings. Um, And then next... Bethel here with this grave sowing thing, they're going to tell you that kind of at the same time, a living person doesn't possess enough faith for God to move. But men like Smith Wigglesworth had so much faith that even after they died, (laughs) he has so much more anointing than you that you can just soak it up. How about you just ask God for that same anointing? Why would he have you go there and just get it right? Pray to God this for it. This is works. This is actually a type of a works. It really is. Oh, it really is. And it's, it sounds a lot like the heretical claims of the Catholic Church. You know, they talk about their storehouses of like righteousness that the Pope can, you know, bestow on people. I mean, this was the whole idea of the indulgences in the 15, 1600s was, well, all the righteousness that Jesus and these saints stored up for us in heaven, I can apply to your account. Well, I can just go and get all a Smith Wiggleworth's leftover anointing after he died, and I can have it come on myself. And is there just enough for everybody throughout all of time to pray at you Smith Wiggleworth's church? Is? Just thinking about all the people who might believe this, and like, let's just go walk around the cemeteries, and and maybe we'll just pick up something. No, you know, please do we don't not know who it is. Lay on a stranger's <laughs> grave and tell him you're but, soaking up his anointing. <laughs> Don't. Um, I just wonder if people did go and just. They did. I mean, they literally saw. were at the grave when well, I watched they it. They were, but I don't know if people. Oh, I'm certain. If they made a video about, about it, it, it's because people were doing Everybody it. Everybody was doing it. But we'll remind you First John chapter 5, as Nikki mentioned, verse 14 and 15 says, And this is the confidence that we have toward him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. According to his will. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. So if you need faith, 
ask him for faith. Ask him. Don't go crawl in Smith Wigglesworth's <laughs> casket. Like you don't need that. There's no faith left there. There's no Holy Spirit left there. He's dead. I'm sure if you asked Smith Wigglesworth, he'd be like, "Leave my grave alone. What are you doing?" So weird, kooky stuff. Like, why would anything of God, like spiritually, just be left over, hovering around, not knowing where to go, just staying with a dead person? Yeah, it's just the so Holy wacky. Spirit's just waiting Don't for someone to, to come along. Hey, uh, hey, you want to climb in here? And uh, and why wouldn't he just attach himself when someone walked by? You have to lay down. It's nuts. But it's wacky. Uh, the third point here, he says, or Bethel says that their school of supernatural ministry is taught by apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers. And we may get pushed back on this point. We kind of mentioned it already. Uh, there are no apostles today. Um, that doesn't exist. They're the, they're already, they're the John was the last apostle. Yeah. He was done. They were the foundation of the church, Christ, the, the cornerstone. Foundation. That is yes. it. Uh, and we would also say there's no prophets today. Uh, again, we can discuss whether or not a person gets a prophecy but there is no Jeremiah today. There is no Isaiah yeah. walking around. And they certainly aren't teaching college courses. <laughs> um, that just isn't happening. You don't um, teach someone how to be a prophet. No. How to hear from God. You won't You won't find that in scripture either. And even to this, I wouldn't even say, you know, we don't want to make the claim that if you are of the camp that you believe in the, you know, uh, the sign gifts or the miraculous gifts of prophecy, speaking in tongues and healings. We're not even claiming that that's heretical like Bethel. Bethel's taking it to a whole nother stratosphere. So, I mean, there's godly men, passionate men, and the Bible is not, I mean, it's, there's enough written where the debate can be had mm -hmm. on, are there prophets? Are there speaking in tongues? Are, those are discussions to be have. The way that Bethel takes it is what we're talking about. Not, you know, your local church that believes in, you know, someone standing up and saying, you know, the Lord showed me or told me, or you pray in tongues. We're not talking about that person. We're talking about grave soaking level of heresy kind of a thing. So I just want to make that clear. We're not trying to ruffle those feathers, but we will claim apostles don't exist today. And we just don't think that there are full-blown prophets walking around. Whether you want to debate prophecy or not, um, prophets do not exist. Um, so another point that he brought up here, and this was, I think, just a quote from Bill Johnson. He says, and this is kind of long, but he says, I knew a man who would know people's secret sins the moment he laid eyes on them. From what I know, this was not a gifting he wanted or sought after. What, he didn't have it? enough faith? I don't know. But it was just something he experienced. It was a testament to the character of this man that he was also one of the best lovers of people I've ever known. I know quite a few people who, from a young age, saw into the spiritual realm like you and I see into the physical realm. They see angels and demons constantly without actively looking for them. I don't know about you, but until a couple of years ago, this was different to how I experienced the supernatural. I've never seen someone's secret sin written across their forehead. Until a couple years ago, I had never seen demons and angels flitting about, going about their business, just going about their business. I've never, I've never fallen into a trance, and I've yet to be supernaturally transported anywhere. Spiritual gifts manifest differently for different people, and there are those out there 
who have very unique manifestations of spiritual gifts and very unique relationships with God as a result. Uh, no, he didn't. <laughs> he might have met a man who said this to him. Uh, I would disagree that the man was actually being truthful in what he was saying. No, uh, and I wouldn't say that's a gift from God. I even know people who have said the same thing. They may not say sin, but they'll like, not like secret sins, but they might know um, just something about their past. Maybe, maybe it could maybe it could be called a secret sin. I don't know. They just didn't term it that way. But it was something it, like what he described here. I know people, at least two people in the past five years, who have said the same thing. And that is not a gift from God. It's no, not. you're not going to find that spiritual gifting from the Holy Spirit mm -mm. in the Bible, that you have a gift to see secret sins. And, no. Um, so yeah, point to where in the Bible, I suppose, that it says that we get this gift from the Spirit, and then I guess maybe there's a discussion, but um, we have not read about the secret sin on the forehead gift in the Bible. Um, same thing that go, or the same thing can go for spiritual transportation. Um, where is that listed as a gift that we can receive from the Holy Spirit? And, um, you know, again, if you can point us to a verse, I guess then it's worth a discussion. But to me, this sounds like the mysticism. It you know, is. this sounds like is... witchcraft at best. If you are doing this sort of thing, it's witchcraft at best, that quantum mysticism, not Christian faith. So, uh, just wanted to point that out, you know, and I think these people are all around Bill Johnson. They surround themselves with people. And again, if you say it and you tell them it's from God, well, then that's it. That settles it. The man said he saw everyone's secret sin on their forehead and, and it was a gift from God. He never asked for. No. You can't question it. It's from God. I don't like it. The One of the other, I thought there's a third person I know. They're all women told me something about somebody else that was a secret. You know, that guy's a, he's a woman beater. He beats his wife. She's never met him. She just sees his picture on Facebook. Yeah. And I'm like, um, gossip is a sin. Um, listed in the Bible. Then you confront him. You don't tell me about it. Like, um, he's not, <laughs> he's not though. We know him. So the one last point here that I wanted to bring up on Bethel and Bill Johnson, you could add all the stuff from this book and all the like, you know, heavenly visits the Bill Johnsons of the world claim to have, you know, you can lump all of that in, I think with the heretical teachings, because like in the Bible, I mean, I don't have the number off the top of my head. I didn't do the research, but like, I don't know the number of people that were actually transported to heaven. You know, I can think of three, like Enoch, Elijah, and Paul. Uh, there might be more, but that's what I came up with as I was typing these notes out. Yet today, everyone goes to heaven. That's like the most common occurrence in these churches. Like they ask you, oh, well, what did you do yesterday? And you're like, well, I went to Sam's Club and got some groceries. Oh, what did you do yesterday? I went to heaven. So casual. I got thrown up into the air and God swallowed me. And I rode his blood cells. You're like... um. Okay. Every uh, time even someone had a vision of God, they were like terrified. Yeah, you these just people go, casually, go every Wednesday. No big deal. No fear in the presence of God. No yeah. falling on your knees. Like, like Paul, maybe the greatest Christian to ever live, um, went one time to heaven and then he wouldn't even speak about it. 
and yet Bill Johnson, these types of people, they apparently just go to heaven all the time. They brag about it. They got timeshares in heaven that they've rented out. <laughs> like this is nonsense and it shames the name of our God. And I'll say it's the same thing with, you know, the people like we've talked about before, Jesse Duplantis, you know, he talks about like, God's just a chatter, like a chatty Kathy. He's just always yapping, yapping, yapping. And Jesse Duplantis is here. Jesse can barely get a word in edgewise because God's just yapping, yapping, yapping. And that's an embarrassment to God. Like somehow you're just, yeah, okay, Lord. Yeah. I'll tell him what you said, but let me just, I got to get the, okay. Yeah, I know. All right. All right. Yeah. Settle down, big guy. It's ridiculous. And it should anger us to see people dishonor and shame the name of our God this way. And it paints a picture of God that's just absurd and shameful. And again, Mm -hmm. it's a mockery of the Christian faith. So when people that are searching and they're actually searching because they believe in the spiritual and they come across this stuff, they're seeing lunacy. I know they're seeing absolute lunacy and you know, it needs to be pointed out. These people need to be steered clear from that. They need to be pointed to the word of God. And I think that's what we're trying to to help with there. And, you know, we don't want to come across as harsh. We have prayed about that beforehand, but I, you know, it might've come out there, but it's because this is so damaging. And people fall into it. And I think the shameful part even more so is not the Bill Johnson, but it's the truly, uh, the true seeker that's really trying to find God, but this is what they come across. And, you know, for the people like we know that they've, they've gone down this road, but they haven't seen these supposed made up blessings. Well, why haven't I gone to heaven? You know, why does this lady, Judy, Whoever she gets to go to heaven every Thursday. No, they're making but God. But I, I don't have enough faith. No, right? Like he's you too far. You have plenty of faith. He's they're too just far. a heretic. Yeah, it's like they want it to be close with God, and uh, you don't need to have those experiences. You don't need to seek God in a vision like His. We are the body of Christ. Like God is in the midst of us. Like His Holy Spirit lives inside of he us, lives and that's in us faith. But you want to see things and have experiences, then where's faith? Like you're seeking something else, which means you don't have faith. Well, it's also this lie that, well, we, yes, you've been saved and the Holy Spirit resides in you, but you haven't gotten that fuller anointing where the, the, you know, the Holy Spirit comes on you even more. Like, okay, well, how do I do that? Do I just pray? Because I prayed for it and it didn't happen. Well, you didn't have enough faith. Like, it's always something you know, and you should honestly be thankful that you haven't had one of these heavenly visitations because then you can at least rest in the confidence that you haven't been lying to people about your heavenly visitations. Um, Mm. So it should make us angry. I mean, Anias and Sapphira were struck dead on the spot because they lied against the Holy Spirit. These people should count themselves lucky that they haven't been struck dead yet. Oh my gosh. And, uh, so we should pray for their souls to build Johnson's of the world, but then the people there and just keep pointing this stuff out. And, you know, it's all over the place. I mean, I saw a TikTok video this week of, I think it was Andrew Womack ministry and it wasn't Andrew Womack. It was someone else preaching, but he was on stage rambling something. And he made the point, the, the promise of the gospel is prosperity. What? That was his point. I was like, this dude should be struck dead on the stage. 
The promise of the gospel is your prosperity, not the removal of sins, not your righteousness being imputed on you by Christ's suffering and sacrifice. No, it's prosperity. These guys are heretics, and we need to make that known, and we should call them out where we see them. Woke Preacher Clips is doing the work for us. All we got to do is share it and help them get more. So do you have any last thoughts? This episode was long, but I think it's important. Um, so any last thoughts on anything that we talked about today? Uh, we'll pull up here. Our sermon recommendation is going to be Mike Winger's video because he goes really deep into the discussion on this book and then just Bethel as a whole. So it's worth looking at. Yeah, the quantum physics part. Is that what it's called? Quantum, quantum mechanics or quantum physics. Yeah, I don't know. Whatever anyway, made up term they use. Yeah, that stuff's the term really weird. Fake. How they use it is. Yeah. So I I encourage you. And he's done he's done I mean, every a lot of people have done videos on the crazy things at Bethel. They're supernatural school. Um yeah. I just encourage you guys to be bold and warn people who you know maybe read their books or listen to these teachings. Um, love warns. Um, we are not to be cowards. I mean, it's hard enough just sharing the gospel, but then sharing the truth to an already born again believer. Like we're even afraid to like confront believers in their error. Like, Hey, you're going off the path here into this new age stuff. I hope you're not offended that I'm, I'm telling you you're on the wrong path here. Um, like if we can't even do that, how are we going to share the gospel with unbelievers? You know, like, no, but do it in love. Well, yeah. And I think, well, I know I'm not saying you're not saying that, but everybody makes that point. Do it in love as if, but I'd say that for me, because I know I can be harsh and we come across harsh here and, We've had discussions on this topic that we need to be careful, especially, you know, as we mentioned, you know, this isn't just people that are uh, continuationist in the gifts. And, you know, those are brothers and sisters in the faith. We absolutely believe that even if we may disagree on, you know, certain topics in the Christian faith. But even in, I would even say for some of these that go into the extremes, like the Bethel, walk in love, you know, no one comes out of this stuff when you're just beating them over the head with the club or the Bible. They're not going to come out of it. I wish someone would have shown us. Like, I don't know when I, I don't know. I just thank God that we. pointed it out to me. No, we talk, Jesse DuPlantis. (laughs) I think we just slowly realized. You know, we were coming out of it, but going to a Jesse DuPlantis meeting and watching that in person. A faith healer. I was like, (laughs) I've never seen something so absurd and that makes me angry at the same time like this. I was like, what is this? This is no way this is spiritual or godly. I should say it may be spiritual, but it ain't God um, as far as I'm concerned. So yeah, walk in love, but shine this light. And like Nikki said, don't be afraid to do it. Um, And there's a lot more of these people, a lot more of these churches, a lot more of this teaching besides just Bill Johnson and it needs to be exposed and um, Paul would do it if he was here today. And we should be imitators of him as he is an imitator of Christ. So uh, don't be afraid to do that. But that is all we got for you guys. We will be back on Monday with our daily devotionals. Please come and check those out if you haven't already. And then next week, 
we will see if we can get to our assurances of salvation. And uh, that's all we got. God bless. <laughs>